What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Physique Archives. I am your host, Kate and Michelle. Uh, shameless plug to go ahead and follow me on Instagram. You guys can DM, ask me questions, and of course, any guest recommendations that you would like me to interview on topics that you would like more in-depth conversation on, please feel free to reach out, let me know, and I have no problem emailing them and requesting for them to come on. But uh, let's go ahead and jump right into today's episode. I'll be talking all about training, uh, how I'm continuing to progress throughout my prep, and strategies that I'm using to continue to focus on performance. So I get a lot of questions about my ability to continue to perform throughout this prep. And I will say this prep for me is different um, than it has been previously. And I'm very excited about that. But one thing I really have been driving is performance. And I think a lot of competitors, when you get into contest prep, you stop focusing on your performance and you stop having that accountability or you never had that accountability in the gym in the first place. So one of the best things that you can do is make sure that you're tracking your training. Are you tracking performance? Are you comparing that week to week? Are you improving? Uh, if you're not utilizing progressive overload, then you are doing yourself a disservice already. How do you continue to progress? Well, you make sure that you're doing it. And accountability is huge. Um, so that's the biggest thing. If you're not tracking your training, you need to be doing so. And you also need to get through the mindset. Uh, when you are low calorie, when you start to get into an extreme deficit, such as required uh, to get stage lean, um, you are going to have a lot of mental moments that tell you to kind of quit or it's okay to kind of half-ass it or I don't have the energy today, right? There's a lot of excuses. And this is where I get really passionate about um, being honest and transparent about contest prep and what it takes, how it feels, the, the adaptive process that happens when you diet like you do to, to achieve stage conditioning, but also there needs to be a stronger delineation between uh, what contest prep is and what it's not. There are a lot of people that will inquire for coaching and say, well, I want to look like a bikini competitor, but I don't actually want to step on stage. Um, and that is not a sustainable look. That is not a sustainable goal. And that is not something that anybody should have on their goal list to try to achieve and then live like that. Uh, I can give you guys an example. Of course, you guys know I will always share my shit um, and hope that it helps somebody else. So just giving you kind of the push that I'm in right now, um, I am sub 100 carbs. I am doing 90 minutes of cardio per day along with hitting a high step count outside of just that prescribed cardio. So, uh, and it's not all uh, done at once. I do 60 in the morning. 30 in the afternoon. Um, and that's just where I'm at right now. So of course, uh, that is aggressive. And of course, it's context dependent, everybody is going to be very different uh, with what they require to get to stage conditioning. So this is not common practice for everybody. This is me, my personal experience and where I'm at right now, as we continue to push for a deadline that I've got on the horizon. But so yeah, you can tell my energy reserves are low with that insight right there. Um, and so what I can say is one of the biggest adjustments that I've made is actually the time of day that I train. If I, for example, in my off season, I really enjoy training early in the morning. Um, I'll get up and I'll just kind of have my breakfast and go to the gym. I like to bang it out and get it done. However, uh, when calories are lower, I need to go ahead and make sure that I have enough fuel in the tank to focus on performance. So that's one thing I've done is I've shifted my workouts to the afternoon. Um, so I have at least two meals in me uh, so that I'm and I'm continuing to prioritize carbohydrate around training. So I do not macro hoard. I am someone who and I think 
experienced competitors get it. I think new competitors really struggle with this. Um, food is not something that you're going to always enjoy. In contest prep, it's not about making yourself full. It's not about kind of enjoying every day. Contest prep is a job. And making sure that we can get the job done is is what you're asked to do. That is what you signed up for. So uh, there's a lot of people that don't understand what it takes to get there. And unfortunately, that can leave you disappointed. Um, and you're going to continue to spin your wheels because you're not ready for what it takes to get there. And that's okay. This is not me saying, oh, you know, co- competitors are like better than re- regular people. Like, fuck no. There's a time and a place to compete and not everybody can handle what it takes. Not everybody has um, the personal integrity, the accountability, uh, the mental fortitude required. And no, not everybody has the ability to micromanage every minute of every day and plan it out to a T to make sure you're getting it done on top of your job and your other daily obligations, right? That's not across the board for everybody. And so we need to make sure that when you decide you're going to do this, you're, that you're aware of what it's going to take for you to get there. So when you're diving into the idea of competing, you need to understand, and this is critical, especially for new, new coming people, and you're just getting into the sport and you don't even know if you like it, that's okay. But there's a lot of sacrifice and it is very time consuming. And only you know if you showed up for you that day. Only you know if you held yourself accountable to the things that you said you were going to accomplish, right? Only you know if you followed through. And that's one of the things I love about it. But for me, I come from playing Division One basketball in my background. My entire day was scheduled out from 4 a.m. till 8 o'clock at night, 9, 10. It didn't matter. Like, I did not have the flexibility to just kind of fuck off. And so, that's one thing that I love about bodybuilding is it allows me to continue being that regimented person because that's where I thrive as, as a human being. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody likes a schedule. Not everybody likes consistency. Not everybody likes kind of a day-to-day regimen, but I thrive that way. And so understanding yourself on a, on a level to which you know where you perform best is really, really important. And so going back to the things that I've changed is I make sure I have, number one, the majority of my carbohydrate pre, intra, and post workout. At this time, I've taken out intra workout, but I was taking an intra workout, um, which helped a ton for me personally. Um, so I've taken that out now, just because calories are not going to allow me to kind of work that in, and I'd rather eat whole food. So at this point, I've taken that out. But prior to, I was definitely keeping in at least ten grams of carbohydrate intra workout. Now, um, there's no literature that suggests that oh, it's gonna definitely help you perform. So maybe for me, it's placebo. But I can tell you, since I've added it in, my performance has continued to increase. So for me, whether it's a mental cue or a psychological cue or something that genuinely works for me, um, it does help. And so when I was using intra workout, I would eat about an hour before I'd go to the gym and the gym is about 25 minutes from me. So about an hour and a half before training. And so throwing that in and then of course an hour and a half to two hours in the gym, I'd be, you know, ready for my post-workout then. So for me, it made sense in a time span as well uh, to make sure that I had energy in the tank to perform. Now I eat immediately before I go or on my way to the gym uh, because I do not like training feeling empty or low energy. So for me, having a good bolus of food, uh, making sure that I'm going to the gym, I've got time to digest as I'm in the car, but I'm I'm not starving when I am get, the, get there or f- thinking about food, which is again, a part of the, the psychological adaptation that happens when you diet, you are going to be much more food focused. You are going to have times where you're just fucking hungry. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. 
is it doesn't matter. I literally just ate before I started this podcast because I was like, I can't sit there and record starving. And so I was like, all right, I'm good. Um, and I literally just ate and I'm, I'm hungry, right? But um, these are things that you have to wrap your mind around and accept. I think that a lot of people get very uncomfortable with hunger and they make it an excuse to eat, right? But none of nobody is, is uncomfortable being full. Like if you're full all the time, everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, do you? Woohoo. Like no one's like, yo, bro, you should probably like not be hung, not be full all the time. Now, again, this is context dependent. If you're someone in an improvement season or an off season and you're struggling with hunger between meals or, or all day, every day, that's not okay. But I'm giving you the context here where I'm in an extreme deficit with a very specific goal of getting contest lean. So that's the difference. Lifestyle, this is not applicable to. You're going to be hungry, absolutely. And you do need to accept hunger, especially if your goal is fat loss. Um, but at the same time, Calories should not be getting as low, um, relatively so, um, and we do need to make sure like lifestyle people, they don't necessarily have an end date. Uh, they have more flexibility. And so, you know, flexible protocols, whether it's refeeds, diet breaks, um, consistently throughout that journey where, versus contest prep, it's kind of based on, you know, biofeedback all the time and where you're at regards to your deadline. So it's, it's, it's drastically different in the way that it's practiced, in the way that it should be applied. So I, I know people that are lifestyle people that get put through the ringer like they're in contest prep because their coach competed and somehow they've now transformed themselves into being a coach, but they, they don't coach people lifestyle-wise in a lifestyle-sustainable way. Um, so again, it's just important to make sure that you you are educating yourself and getting proper information about what it is that this journey needs to look like for you. But I digress. Um, back to me and my protocol. So again, uh, I'm now eating at least two meals before I go to the gym. Um, and I will always work in at least seven carbs. So I will carry rice cakes um, in the gym. If I need one, I'll work it in and just put it in as an intro workout, um, just depending on how I'm feeling. If not, then I have those seven carbs to play with later in the day, which I just throw into my post-workout meal. So I always have that plan just in case um, I'm feeling low energy and I need something in the tank. So Again, this is where food is energy and you have to look at it as energy and you need to decide, you know, where do I need gas? Do I need gas at the end of the day before I go to bed? Not a ton, really. You're sleeping, right? Where do I need gas? I need to gas myself up before I go to the gym or I need to fill that baby up as much as possible uh, because I'm hitting the road hard, right? Pedal to the metal. I'm trying to do my best. So that's uh, one of the most important things that you guys need to pay attention to is is energy there. The other thing that has, and I do pay attention to this and you should through contest prep is caffeine. Caffeine is a tool um, just like anything else, right? And it does aid in performance measures. Uh, initially with calories being high and adding an intro workout, I would just take a, a pump product uh, to help with vasodilation and blood flow. But um, as I get lower and lower calorie, you know, I've been able to add in caffeine and effectively have that help my performance, my energy, etc. So um, now initially I would take, you know, 200 milligrams a day, maybe with my coffee and stuff, just chilling. Um, now I'm up to 450 milligrams a day. Um, and I'd take the majority of that uh, pre-workout. So I'll have at least 200, 200 to 225 milligrams of caffeine um, pre-workout. And that helps with performance as well and energy and appetite suppressing. So um, lots of benefits with that. Again, the one, one of the worst feelings to me 
is when I can feel my blood sugar drop um, in the gym and I'm low calorie and I just feel kind of crappy and I'm food focused and I don't want to finish my training. So that's why, A, I always keep something on me in case. Um, and number two, I have to eat right before I go to the gym. Uh, the other thing is, again, your mind is going to tell you that you're tired uh, or that you can't move weight. And a lot of it's mental. And I think a lot of people struggle with what I like to call being a mental midget. Um, that's what my my brother used to say all the time. So I just picked it up from him. But um, you know, don't get caught up in your own head to make excuses because again, your mind is going to play so many tricks on you. If you can't be objective and understand, um, that that's going to happen and you have to kind of be logical and objective and focus on giving your best. Now, this does not mean that everybody's going to be able to hit PRs in their, in their deficit. Like we need to be smart here. Obviously we need to keep you healthy. Uh, but if you can pull weight and it's moving well, this is why I don't ever specifically program increases. I always go based on how I feel. I am stubborn enough not to let my performance fall back. So I will not regress in training, um, but I will stay consistent or improve. And so right now my goal really is to stay consistent. However, um, if I'm feeling good, if weight is moving well, then of course I'm going to go ahead and increase it because I feel good. The biofeedback that day is good. Why would I not try to overload more? So I think that unless you try to push the weight, you don't really know how you're going to feel. Whereas if you're like, eh, um, like my warm up weight for, for deadlifting now is 155. Um, it used to be for, for my conventional, um, it used to be 135, right? And I could have just started with 135 and be like, eh, that's good. But I'm like, no, I can now warm up at 155 and I do that. Oh, that feels really good, right? Let's get to 185. Oh, 185 is moving well. Okay. Let's go ahead and bump to 205. And now I hit 205 today. Um, and it's because I felt good enough to go ahead and be like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this. Um, and of course my body felt good. I felt strong. My cueing was on point. Um, and I felt like the weight was controlled. So being smart and logical. Uh, but this is why also, again, like I don't mind people that program and, and have certain loads for certain weeks, uh, but you can never anticipate how you're going to feel um, until you're in the gym and you start moving the weight. So uh, I have, again, a minimum amount of performance, a minimum level of performance that I will allow myself to do, which is the minimum at which I did the week before um, in the same rep ranges. So this is also why it's important to not just track the load, uh, but how many reps you're performing a given load at. So for example, um, I was pulling pretty heavy in the, the three to six range. Um, and then of course, as high as eight to 12. Um, so now I'm going kind of into that six to 10 range, um, and then 15 to 25. So a little bit more volume work, lower loads um, overall, but the stimulus is still enough to where I'm getting close to that failure point um, and ensuring that I am pushing myself to that level even when it's uncomfortable, even when I'm tired, even when I don't feel like it. So again, a lot of this is going to be mental barriers that you guys have to understand. You need to push through those things. So that's kind of where I'm at, what I'm doing. And I know people will be like, well, how do you program yourself? How do you do this? Again, biofeedback is so incredibly important. And that's why even in my notes section, in my logbook, you know, I'll take notes on how I felt that day, how I performed, um, meals that I had where I felt really good and meals that I had where I didn't feel that great. Right. And so I can pay attention to, I felt kind of shitty, but I also, you know, maybe my pre-workout could have been better. Um, and so now I've got that dialed in where I'm eating consistently the same kinds of meals which has allowed me to keep, again, the integrity and the quality of my performance high uh, because I've worked way too hard and you guys work way too hard uh, to focus on just cardio and just your macros when going into a bodybuilding 
endeavor, right? Remember, this is bodybuilding. You should have put in a ton of effort to build up your physique over time. And the last thing you want to do is compromise the amount of lean body mass that you have because you're so focused on being in a bigger deficit, um, being more restrictive and doing more cardio, which we can all get caught up in. I've been there. I've done it. Um, I've had preps where I was doing three hours of cardio a day. Yes, a day. You heard me correctly. Um, and I, I looked inflamed and I, I did not bring my best. And so um, we just need to, A, this is why even as a coach, I have a coach. I could not coach myself. I would absolutely run myself into the ground um, and I would get caught up in that and I know it. So being self-aware, where are your blind spots? Do you communicate that well? Um, and you should be communicating very transparently with your coach about that stuff. But um, you know, you need to have expectations. You need to keep your integrity high. You need to hold yourself to the standard of excellence every single day. Like that is that is my thing. I lead by example. Um, you guys know I'm a coach. I have amazing clients. I work with some of the best people in the world, arguably the best in my opinion. Um, shout out to the dream team. But, you know, I have, I can't tell people to do things that I don't do. I, I see it everywhere and it pisses me off. If I, if I'm not doing something, how can I ask a client to do that? If I'm not out here giving my best and pushing myself to become my best, how can I tell a client to do that? If I'm not willing to sacrifice on 90 minutes of cardio, how can I ask a client to do that? If I'm not willing to do eat, so whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it's not just saying it, it's doing it. And, and my goal is always to lead by example and set the standard of excellence every single day, regardless of what that looks like, regardless of how I feel. And let me tell you guys, I feel like trash. <laughs> I'm very tired. Uh, my recovery is is decent. Um, but yeah, I'm low energy and I know that that's going to come. And so, you know, making sure that I am strategically planning out my day based on my own biofeedback, which looks different for everybody uh, when your energy is highest, when it's lowest, when your mental clarity is high, right? And when you're struggling to find words, which also is probably the number one thing that drives me absolutely nuts during prep um, is when I can't put together a sentence in with words that I want to use. Like when I can't remember the words, they like they're on the tip of my tongue and I can't say them. Um, that for me is like, wow, I'm, I've got prep brain for real. Um, or like I'll leave, I'll put something down and I can't remember where it is. Like all of those things happen. Um, and you feel like you're, you're going through dementia. Um, but that is inevitably a part of the process. And again, there's a lot of things and I would love to do, maybe I'll do a, uh, podcast on, you know, prep adaptations, psychological and physiological. If you guys are interested in that, let me know. Uh, and I will definitely kind of elaborate much more on specific things that happened um, when you diet down to contest shape. But as far as the questions around how do I set myself up for success with training, I understand myself. And I also think that people need to spend way more time getting to know themselves. As an athlete, I in like all the things that I went through I grew up in Vermont. I'm five foot four and um, no one, even people in my family were like, you're a five foot four white girl from Vermont. You are never going to make it to division one. Like stop with your dreams. They're insane. And like, I play that shit in my head. Like I remember the people that I love the most, whose opinions I value the most, didn't believe I could do it. And I fucking did it anyway. And so when I, when I get into those moods of like, damn, I don't feel like doing it right now. Like I can talk myself into it. Like I'm so hard headed and I understand what my triggers are and what gets me hype um, that I can think a thought and be like, well, fuck that, you know, and show up and get it done in the moment in the gym when I'm like, I literally talk to myself like I'm <laughs> I don't care. Um, I'm like, move the fucking weight. Don't be a bitch. Like move the fucking weight. Just stand up. Just stand up. 
right? Just brace and push. Like, you know, and, and I think that if you can figure out what makes you tick, if you can figure out, you know, how bad you want this, how committed are you? Do you want to look back and be like, oh, I was over 10 grams of carbs a couple of times, but it's fine. Like if that's you, cool. Um, you know, that's, but your, your reward is going to reflect your efforts. Um, and I think that once you realize like for me, I know no matter what happens on that stage, I've literally given it every ounce of my being. I've given it every single thing I had every single day. I've checked every box um, and I showed up even when I didn't feel like, it, even when it was uncomfortable, even when I was like, Ugh, you know, we, and everybody's going to feel that at some point. Again, the threshold and at which point that happens is relative, um, but everybody's going to feel that way. Everybody's going to go through that stuff. And at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit if you did it or not. I think that's one thing I also love it is the integrity is so high. You only know if you did it, right? Your co- I mean, unless you, you know, you shouldn't lie to your coach. You should tell your coach, but you know, it's not like they're over here making sure that you did everything and you're doing it at the intensity that you should be, right? They're not micromanaging you. Like they give you the plan. They give you the protocol. Your job is to execute it with a standard of excellence. So, I mean, that is competition prep. It is not easy. It's not always fun. Um, and you have to schedule your life. Um, and I'm going to go to some questions because most of it was in the bulk of what I just shared, uh, but there are some specific ones that I wanted to address. Um, so I'm going to go through these a little bit um, with what time I have left. So um, maintaining energy through the grind other than mealtime, especially around training, again, making sure that you have enough um, carbohydrate specific and of course protein to protect uh, muscle and spike mu- muscle protein synthesis but also caffeine uh, caffeine on the way to the gym about 20 minutes for it to kick in so drink it and then train your ass off um, during that time of the month typically i aim to not regress in training um, so again looking at previous numbers and making sure that you're hitting those numbers is really really important um, and that's what i would suggest you really really focus on um Sorry, y'all. I had to get in my dogs. They were leepy. So um, back to the Q&A. Should you start, should you stop trying to hit PRs while in a deficit? If so, how far into the deficit should you stop? So again, this is going to come down to your training age, how confident you are in the movement patterns, how well you perform them, and your own biofeedback. Again, I don't go into it like, oh, I'm going to hit PRs today. But I pay attention to how am I executing? How does the movement feel? How is my cueing? How is the load moving? And if I feel good enough to increase, I'm going to keep doing that. There's no point in which you're like, oh, I can't do that, right? Because your recovery is going to play a role. Your sleep quality is going to play a role. Nutrient timing is going to play a role. Obviously, supplements like caffeine are going to play a role in your own biofeedback. So uh, you can't predict, at least for me, I found having structured, periodized, um, levels of load has been beneficial for times but I find that my performance is best just going on how I feel and not allowing myself to go backwards now if you're super low calorie cardio is really high you're not recovering probably not smart when you're super lean if you don't have good leverages on compounds and they're not movements that you're confident performing at at a, a top top set level, um, then you can always do you know your downset volume and stay at those sets and aim to not regress there. Which is, again is why I said earlier that it's important to make sure that you are tracking the weights that you're using at various um, rep ranges, so that when you are out of you know that that heavy loading low rep range, uh, especially as you get leaner, right, you don't have enough tissue and cushion in your joints to sustain such power movement. 
you are going to want to get back into those, you know, eight to 12 reps and then some higher volume days um, with that 25 to 30 rep range um, to make sure that you're hitting different muscle fibers, uh, but also to make sure that you're moving those loads uh, at, at a smart, at a smart load at a smart, um, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Here we go with prep brain. Um, but you just want to be smart, um, with everything that you're doing. And again, uh, playing with different rep ranges is going to be important. Now, when I say this, the other thing that I really don't like, and I would not, I just don't like to program too much, um, is heavy or, or compound movements and high, high rep ranges. Like, uh, doing a, a deadlift for 15 reps, I personally just don't see the benefit in doing that. I think doing any dumbbell variation of a compound is great for the high rep range, uh, but doing a barbell, uh, you know, deadlift um, conventional pull for 15 to 20 reps to me is not necessarily the smartest thing. Um, if you're doing a compound, I do personally, this is again, just personal. Um, I do believe that it should stay within, you know, 12, 12 on the top, top side of, of reps for that. So again, um, if I was going to do, and I do multiple different variations of movements, um, but when I do my RDLs for higher reps, I'm using dumbbells, um, and really driving that, which I believe has aided in my strength, um, progressions in my conventional deadlift. So continuing to hit the hamstring there, uh, but doing it with, you know, a better movement pattern, um, for me. And again, compounds I believe should stay in those rep ranges. How important is meal timing and specific strategies of meal timing before and after a workout to keep energy high? Again, you have to remember um, that energy comes from fuel. Fuel is food, right, in this situation. So um, for a lot of people, for example, a lot of people like to wake up and train fasted. If you're one of those people, again, context is everything. Depending on what your calories are, I would absolutely be having like an intra workout, like core intra, shameless plug, code Kate saves you 20%, K-A-I-T, okay, spell it right, y'all. But, um, you know, having that with the EAA complex and some carbohydrate uh, is going to fuel you enough. And then, of course, make sure you get in that protein shake either b- with um, or after. And that should be enough for you always keeping food on hand. So and also I would say the meal before bed, I would have more carbohydrate um, so that you have that glycogen ready to use for performance. Again, you always want to structure for me, rule of thumb, 50 percent of total calories um, for pre and post workout. Uh, depend. It doesn't matter how low they are. That's that's what I do. That's what I stick to. So, um, if you really want to optimize performance, again, caffeine is going to play a role, and uh, carbohydrate for sure. And then of course, because we are bodybuilders and we are looking to retain as much lean body mass as possible, we do need to make sure we spike that muscle protein synthesis. Um, so that's what I would suggest you do. Okay. Question is my biggest struggle is how to combine a sedentary job sometimes with crucial deadlines when hitting the step goal and getting enough sleep. So again, this comes down to planning. I know moms that have the three kids, they go through contest prep, they meal prep everything out the night before, and they get up at four o'clock in the morning to get their steps in and do their cardio, right? Uh, There comes a time, and like I said before, contest prep is a job. It is not a fun fat loss phase. It's not glamorous. It's not always sexy. It's not always fun. 
it is something that requires a lot of discipline, a lot of structure. And, you know, some things that I know people do is they'll buy treadmill desks, they'll buy a little, little bike or a little stepper, um, so that they can continue to work and be productive while reaching these goals. And so you have to ask yourself, what can I do to set myself to be successful here? Um, and sleep is, is just as much a part of the protocol. So you need to look at, you know, your, your times to optimize all of those things while getting into great, um, nighttime hygiene, which a lot of people struggle with. And again, this comes down to being realistic with, with what you, you are and aren't willing to sacrifice, what you can and can't commit to. In contest prep, there is a time and a place for that. And I'm very adamant about that with my clients because um, if you can't hit protocols at the beginning, um, when it get, comes to a push, um, you're going to struggle and you're going to be disappointed and you're not going to be ready. And that's just the unfortunate truth of you need to commit. And if you're going to commit, you need to be able to make it happen, whether it's 11 o'clock at night and you're finishing up your steps um, or what, or staying up until 930 meal prepping your food out to go the next day um, and catching up on sleep on the weekends. I know a lot of people that do that. And again, you have to look at your daily obligations and be realistic with, is this going to fit or is it not? So, and again, there are multiple ways to skin a cat. Um, there's different ways to prep different people for different, you know, uh, availabilities and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've talked about this before, but I really prefer not to do hit cardio. But again, people that have scheduling commitments, you know, if they, if we have to get them in a deficit and we might have to add in some hit cardio, if that's what it takes to get the job done, then that's what we have to do. Um, and again, some people, if they can't move that much or they don't move that much, or there's a threshold in which they can move, then of course we have to bring calories down, but there's only so low you can go with calories. So again, there's tools in the toolbox, but at some point there's, there's also always going to be an excuse, um, for why you can't do something. So unless you're really expanding everything that you have, um, which I would argue most people don't, they just think that they do. Um, you, you are going to find a way to get it done if you're really committed to that. So again, contest prep, different from lifestyle. And I really just want to emphasize that point. I'm trying to drive that here because it's different. Um, it's, it's different. The level of neuroses, commitment, scheduling, attention to detail. I mean, all those things really, really are different. So I just want to really drive that point home so that everybody has realistic expectations with what it takes um, because it's not easy and easy is always going to be relative, um, but it is a commitment and you don't want to look back and wonder what if you don't want to get last place and go, well, fuck it. I, this is why, and then beat yourself up or feel guilty about not executing the way that you should have, um, because it is a lot. It requires a lot of sacrifice. It is a very selfish sport. Um, and so understanding that when you get into it is, is also super important. Um, last question, when do we know to have a rest day if we usually don't have that day off, but have protocol to follow? So, uh, for me, when I give clients a training schedule, um, I mean, everybody has steps. So you got to get your steps on the daily, you know what I'm saying? So you got to get that movement. But, um, I will say, uh, when it comes to training, uh, I give you like, let's say you're doing five days. I usually don't program six. So five max is really all you need. You have the ability to get those five days done over a week span, moving that about your schedule as best you like. If you need a rest day, you got to move something. Life happens. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. Uh, it happens all the time, but that's why you, you no one should ever be training seven days a week. Um, but uh, you will, you know, again, have to get your daily movement, which most people can hit a step count, add an extra walk in or whatever it might be. Uh, but if you're not recovered or, you know, 
something happened family-wise or just you can't get in the gym as you anticipated doing, which happens. Again, life happens to us all. You have the flexibility to move that training day, take a rest day, and just kind of work through it, right? One missed training session is not going to be an end-all, be-all. Just like you didn't go in the gym and go through one session, wake up jack the next day. Like You're not going to miss a training session and lose a bunch of muscle. Like I think people need to stop with this crazy, crazy thought process and look at this logically. You didn't get to where you are overnight. You're not going to get to where you want to be overnight. Uh, You did not put on all the muscle that you have in one training session. You're not going to lose all the muscle you have not going through a training session. Now, that doesn't mean half-assing to start skipping the gym and be like, oh, I'm not going to lose any muscle. No, but like context dependent again, if you have to reschedule a training session or you miss a training day during the week, if you get right back on it, you're going to be just fine, right? You're not going to go backwards. So I think that's just a lot of stuff people need to wrap their minds around, Uh, but I don't want to get this going for too, too long. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you guys want the podcast on, you know, adapt adaptations when dieting, and I can also compare like kind of, you know, short-term sustainable fat loss versus, you know, contest prep shredded. Um, the adapt adaptations are similar and remember that everybody's going to have thresholds for these. Um, so it's, it's all relative to the individual, which is also really, really important to understand what somebody else goes through, what they eat, how much cardio they have to do, how much training they're doing, what they're responding to, what they're not responding to is so different person to person. And this is why I don't mind sharing my shit with you guys. Like I never will. But at the same time, if you copy it, you're just being stupid. Like you're a unique human being. I'm unique. Like (laughs) not that I'm special, but you know what I'm saying? Following what I'm doing, you don't have the same amount of lean mass. You probably don't have the same metabolic rate. You don't have the same training age. You just were different. And so all of these things do matter um, when programming somebody and setting them up with a plan. So we need to make sure that even though you might take away like, damn, it's pretty low calorie. Like, yes, high context dependent. I'm trying to get shredded um, and that you will require something different. So if this was helpful, let me know. Please leave a review, share it with a friend, tag me on Instagram, follow me there, and uh, I'll catch you guys next time.